What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode number 95 of the Ridge Hunter Outdoors podcast. This week, we got a good one for you. We got to talk with Jonathan Beachy from Best Effort Deer Recovery. He's a dog handler. He's got a few dogs there, and he does deer recovery. So we got to talk a lot of things about what he sees out there, what you guys should do if you're thinking you might need a dog, what to do when you're recovering your deer uh, to keep the integrity of the trail in case you do have to do that, all kinds of stuff um, that has to go with recovering your deer, not just with a dog, but everything that kind of encapsulates that part of it. So make sure you stay tuned for that. But before we get into it, don't forget about our partners. You guys should check out Grandpa Ray Outdoors at GrandpaRayOutdoors.com. They specialize in providing the best nutrition for white-tailed deer on your property, starting with the soil. They offer a full line of high-quality food plot seed and plant foods. They were started in 2015, but John's been in the seed and nutrition business since 1991 with over 14 different food plot blends to choose from. You're not going to have any trouble finding what you're looking for. They have fall and spring blends, corn and beans, switchgrass, liquid fertilizer, soil test kits, you name it, they've got it. So if you've got food plots right now, you're not happy with how they turned out. If you did get rain, if you didn't get rain, that's probably the reason. But if you're not happy with the seed that you had, it's never too early to start looking for something else. And if that's the case, you should check out Grandpa Ray Outdoors. They're not just about selling their products, though. They'll answer any questions you have about what blends will be best for your specific property. That way you can achieve the best results possible. John and his team, a lot like us, don't believe in a cookie-cutter approach to wildlife nutrition. So they're going to treat you and your situation individually. Again, if you guys are interested in anything they have to offer... Go to GrandpaRayOutdoors.com, use the discount code RHOPODCAST, that's all lowercase, no space, and you get 5% off your entire order there. Also, if you guys are looking to get into your own property or you have property you'd like to get listed, you need to talk to Rodney Hawkins. He grew up hunting and fishing in southern Illinois, and he's now putting that love for the outdoors into selling recreational properties as a land specialist with Midwest Farm and Land. Midwest Farm and Land isn't your average real estate company. They sold over $85 million worth of ground in 2022 alone. They've got agents like Rodney all over Illinois, so they're really a local company with a national reach. For more info on them, you can contact Rodney directly at 618-925-3153, and he'll get you taken care of. He's also got his own company called RG Outdoors. He's got products from Radix Hunting. Uh, he's got Camo Dust, which is an all-natural scent elimination product. He's got Tacticam trail cameras, and he's adding new stuff all the time. So if you're interested in seeing what he has to offer or what might be coming available soon, go to their Facebook page, RG Outdoors. You can message them through there. You can email them at rgoutdoors at yahoo.com, or again, just call Rodney directly at 618-925-3153. Don't forget to follow us, uh, us on social media. That's Ridge Hunter Outdoors on Facebook and Instagram. We do have a private Facebook group for the podcast listeners, RHO Podcast Patrons. Make sure to check that out. Our website is ridgehunteroutdoors.com. We have apparel on there. We have all-natural scents that will be available in hopefully another week and a half or so. We'll have some ready to go there. We've got the buck and doe tarsal sprays, and we have the calming spray as well. And we have our own food plot blend available there, too. Anything that you see on the website that you want to purchase, use the discount code RHOPOD. That's all caps, no space at checkout, and you'll get 10% off your entire order. If you're listening on Apple or Spotify, make sure you follow, leave us a review. That really helps us out. It doesn't take any time at all. On YouTube, subscribe to the channel. That's Ridge Hunter Outdoors as well. Our show is coming up soon. I'm going to start putting stuff out about that, hopefully by the end of this week. So make sure you subscribe, hit the notification bell. That way you'll know when that comes out. We've also just posted some videos from Nate's property. Just posted a video with Jeff on putting some rubbing posts on one of his farms. He's got permission to hunt. So a lot of good stuff at the YouTube channel as well. Subscribe there. All that said, let's get into episode number 95 with Jonathan Beachy from Best Effort Deer Recovery. This is the Ridge Hunter Outdoors podcast. Why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself, and then we'll get going. Um, kind of get your background on how you got into tracking and all that. Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, I'm Jonathan Beachy. Um, in 2017, I started Best Effort Recovery mm-hmm. and started tracking for uh, the public. Um, before that, I had been doing my own deer, uh, friends, right. buddies, whatever, neighbors, Um for four years before I started doing it for the public. Um, how I got started, um, I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah. I've, well, how'd you get your first dog? How'd you end up with the dog? Well, so 
Now, Did let's not go back to when you were a kid and had a puppy. We're well, <laughs> almost. Yeah, right? It, it kind of starts when, when I started hunting. Um, yeah. Uh, my dad never hunted. Okay. Um, my grandpa, mom's side, did. And and her brothers, so my uncles hunted. Um, but they lived in Iowa. I lived in Illinois. Okay. Never got to see them much, but apparently I inherited something. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Um, so when we, when I was eight years old, we moved to Flat Rock, Illinois, and there all my buddies hunted mm-hmm. and so i think the first year i hunted i was 14 using a bow i right. bought at a garage sale you know, just <laughs> right. oh yeah yeah rink it ink yep. self-taught um i think i missed seven deer that year <laughs> is that all yeah <laughs> <laughs> um the following year for some reason i couldn't hunt didn't hunt and then the year i was 16 i took it back up again bought one tag and went out and Wounded a doe. I thought I killed her, mm-hmm. but uh, we tracked that thing for probably a half mile. Never found her, and so that was a raw deal. Yeah. Um, so is that the first deer you shot with your bow? Yes. Okay. Yes. A couple of days later, I had a little six point forky buck come through. Shot it. The arrow penetrated maybe six inches. Mm-hmm. I'm, now I'm pretty sure I probably hit the spine or the shoulder blade. Anyway. Thing ran off. We tracked it for about a three-quarter mile. Didn't find it. Um, But then my fortune changed, and I shot the biggest buck of my life a couple of days later. Really? Is it to this day biggest buck of your life? To this day. No kidding. No kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was 177 a couple of days. Wow. Days, I think. That's nice anywhere. Anyway, so, uh, yeah, my my brothers hunted, Um, two older brothers, mm-hmm. and we just you know, wounded a lot of deer. And, um, at one point, um, I kept a record of, of all the deer my buddies shot. Mm-hmm. That was anytime they shot at a deer, did they hit it, miss it, wound it. Right. And so forth. And with archery equipment, we were only harvesting about 50% of the deer we shot at. No kidding. And, I don't know. That didn't sit well with me. <laughs> right. So what, and, what and possessed you to start keeping track of that stuff? Just something you're interested in or what? Uh, just an effort to get better at our okay. game, okay. basically. Yeah. Um. Anyway, well, when I shot that big buck, I didn't have a great blood trail to start with. I There was no blood at the hit side. I actually thought I missed him. Mm-hmm. Um, got down there to pick up my arrow and I couldn't find my arrow. I'm like, oh no, I wounded that one too. Right. <laughs> and uh, there was no blood. So I made a circle through the woods and came across his blood trail. And um, so I went home totally depressed, thought I wounded a deer. And my brother said, no, you, that deer's dead. We're going out there and we're going to find him. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we got out there went to the spot of blood I had found, backtracked, found the arrow, had about 12 inches of penetration. Which is enough. Yeah, it's not great. Depending on where you hit him. Yeah. 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 Uh, Fortunately, I hit him well, Mm -hmm. um, right in the middle of his liver, and he didn't go maybe 200 yards from the tree stand, tried going up a real steep hill and expired and rolled back down to the bottom. Yeah. But um, at one point, we kind of lost the blood trail, and I was like, hey, we need to get a dog in here. And one of my buddies had one that kind of did okay. Right. He'd found one or two for him. And um, ended up, we found the deer before we got the dog in. But yeah. anyway, a couple years later, you know, th- that using a dog to track deer was just kind of rolling around in my head. And, mm-hmm. and one day my brother said, hey, you need to get a bloodhound and train it to find deer. And so I started searching. I found a three-year-old dog, bought him, brought him home, but he was a dud. Mm-hmm. He'd been raised in a kennel. I couldn't even get him to walk ahead of me anywhere. <laughs> I mean, right. He just followed me everywhere. Just a pet. Yeah, he yeah. followed me everywhere, but I could hardly get him to go out front. Right. Um. Following year, I bought a female. She was a lot better. She actually found a couple deer for me. Mm-hmm. Um. Raised a litter of pups. And the following year, this would have been in probably 14, I think. Okay. So we're talking almost 10 years ago. Yeah. 
So I, I got that first bloodhound in 2012. Okay. So 11 years ago. Yep. Um. So yeah, I was training my female, and this pup was running loose. And she hit the line and took off and beat us to the end. So I was like, okay, you got yourself a job. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's the and, one. Uh, <laughs> right. So that was that was Sally. And she was the first dog that I used to, to track for the public. Um, I had her for seven years, and then uh, she got uh, killed in a vehicle accident on the road. Um, I By that time, I had Frank, which he was a year old, and... Uh, had found a couple deer, but mm-hmm. he wasn't as good as Sally was. Right, right. Um, so are some dogs just better than others naturally, I guess, then? Or is it? Yes, okay. yes. They have, some dogs have a, a better hunting drive than others. Okay. Because um, obviously that Sally came from the one you were training, right? Mm-hmm. Which. And the male. Okay. That was a dud. Right. Yeah. So it just, sometimes it's kind of. Uh, luck of the draw, I guess. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, totally. Um, I mean, she was an okay tracking dog, mm-hmm. but compared to the the dogs I have now, she yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. The dogs I have now are way better. Right. Um, Frank, if he gets on a line, he he'll he'll drag me through the woods pretty much. Yeah. Um, the problem with that is he'll he'll overshoot a turn, takes him a lot longer to come back and find it. Right. Um. Yeah, he just gets overly excited. So, so better because you're better at training them, or they're better blood bloodline, or a combination of everything. Combination. Or? Okay. Oh okay. yeah. Oh yeah. Um, because yeah, I well back when I had those first dogs, I I didn't know anybody doing it mm-hmm. commercially, right? Or yeah, for hire. Um, but then in 2017, I learned of a couple people and read their Facebook pages and. Mm-hmm. <laughs> got smarter. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> got better at it. Right. So when you started there kind of tracking for the public, what kind of recovery rate were you seeing? Uh the first year I tracked I think twenty two deer, found one. Really? Yeah. It was awful. Do you think that's <laughs> but I found nine for myself and my brothers. Okay. So you so. think part of that is obviously the dog is part of it, but Maybe, but the a lot of it is dead. also deer weren't dead. Deer weren't dead. Yeah. Most of them deer weren't dead. You're not going to catch a deer that's not dead. Exactly. Or extremely wounded, right? Yep. Yeah. Yep. So I, how often do you, and I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves, but how often do you get guys that are just so dead set that they killed the deer, but, and they want to keep going, but in your mind, you know, like this deer's not dead. And like, what tells you that as a tracker now? Like multiple beds, is it? blood runs out and you've gone a certain distance like and then how often does that happen i assume probably quite a bit guys think they killed deer and you just you know at some point they're not dead yeah um obviously if if a hunter calls you calls me he thinks it's worth right bringing a dog out some right. of them some of them realize that the deer's probably not dead but they want closure like they want to yeah. know for sure exhaust all options yes yeah. exactly and and that's why i'm called best effort recoveries because in my mind, putting a dog on the track is kind of the, the best thing you can yep. do to tr- try to recover recover your deer. Yep. Um, well, now they have thermal drones and uh, so, <laughs> no, well, not in Illinois. We, we don't need to go. <clears throat> yeah, exactly. I just right. did. A, we don't need to go there. But I just did a podcast. Well, the one that came out Friday, which will have been three days ago, but yesterday as we we're recording this, and Nate, that one, the, the fourth guy that helps us out, he told me he saw on Facebook one of the guys that's doing the thermal drone recovery talked to one of the the main uh, IDNR guys around. He's, he told him he couldn't do it Yeah, with drones. So Yes, exactly, because the, the game warden I talked to told me that um, it, it's like spotting deer from your vehicle. Right, right. Yeah, it's, or uh, from any conveyance. Yeah, um, I talked to a guy who's got a thermal... Uh, a couple of days ago, and the same thing that the game warden likened it to spotlighting is yep. exactly the term he yep. used. Yes, yep. so in their mind, that's what it is. Yep. Yeah. So anyway, just skim past that. Back <laughs> to the guys. Uh, Back to things that make sense. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um. So yeah, I usually keep tracking as long as I have property mm-hmm. or permission to be on the property. Um. Blood and my dog's working well. Right. Um. Once the dog quits. 
progressing the track. I run out of blood or out of property mm-hmm. to track on. One of those three, usually I call the track. Right. Um, so why does my dog quit tracking? Because if, if the deer is not mortally wounded, they quit, they'll run off in a panic, you know, they're dumping adrenaline and yeah. a stress scent. Yep. And the dogs, you know, with time learn to recognize that. And that's what separates the wounded deer from any other deer crossing his path. Okay. Right. So I've seen it quite often that the deer run off, lay down bed, and my dog tracks to that bed, and from there it's a puzzle. So they just calm down, and then it's they, just another deer at that point. They calm down, to and the it's dogs. just another deer from there. Okay. Not always, but right. but yeah. Other times they, they go out for a half mile or whatever, and they finally just lose the track. Yeah. yeah. And you're talking a half mile, especially around here, the amount of deer that have paths that you've already crossed and that have been walking around already i mean that's a lot of different scent trails and oh yeah to stay on one if, oh, yeah. especially if you don't have like you said don't have blood you don't have that mortally wounded yeah. deer i would and and i can sometimes tell by you know the color of the blood uh-huh. the way the deer's traveling um i, I get a gut feeling of whether the deer's going to make it or not right or whether he's still alive or not. And because you've been doing it long enough now, too. You've seen enough blood trails that you kind of know what to look for. Yeah. Like most guys see two, three blood trails a year. Exactly. If they help their buddies, maybe five. Exactly. Right? So yeah, when you're I, seeing... I had 95 last year. Yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> you're seeing as many in a year as a lot of guys will ever see. Yeah, in a exactly. lifetime, right? Yeah. 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 So you can kind of see not only with that, but also you were telling me before, like the way, even the way your dog's acting. Mm-hmm. Like you can kind of tell if they're close, if they're not, like what's going on too, right? Yeah. Yep. If <laughs> Pixie, uh, my, my best dog right now, um, if she's on line and like, so last year I had one, one track where, um, see the guy was using a, a handgun, 30 caliber and shot the deer through the lungs broadside at 30 yards. So, you know, not much could have went wrong really. Mm-hmm. Um, but he didn't have a very quick, very good blood trail. Um, the deer took off down the logging road and then left, crossed the creek, went up a steep hill, hit the property line. Um, so we had to stop at the property line. We didn't have permission to go on. Uh, called the landowner. Uh, so while we were waiting, I tied up my dog. Mm-hmm. And she was just at the end of the rope, just hitting the end of the rope. Yeah, She'd stop and roll and try to wiggle out of her harness, just would not settle down. Mm-hmm. And... We got to go ahead, kept going. Blood dried up, nothing for three, four hundred yards. Then all of a sudden there was a couple drops of blood and another hundred yards there was the deer. Really? The thing went three hundred or three quarter mile. Wow. On probably one lung and guts. Right. And uh They are wild animals, right? Oh yeah. <laughs> I mean <laughs> that, yeah. that you you shoot me in the lungs, I'm D R T I'm mm-hmm. dead right there, man. Yeah. You know? yeah. So, so that one, the sign and the fact that he went up the hill normally would tell me that this deer's probably going to make it. Like, I was I was having the blues. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, there was a deer. Yeah. But my dog kept tracking. Mm-hmm. So I let her go. Yeah. That was um, one of those where the dog knew. I mean, you could the dog by your dog. The dog knew. Yeah. So, um, so you said your best dog. How many are you running? Or are you <laughs> got several in training now? Or what's that look like? Well... I've got too much dog power right now. Okay. All um, right. I've got I've got three certified dogs and they're certified with the uh, United Blood Trackers. Mm-hmm. Um all uh got the UBT level two test. Um and that test is Yeah, go ahead and go ahead and tell us what that looks like, like yeah. to get it certified and I mean that's interesting, I'm sure. So um the different networks uh which state networks Mm-hmm. put on events during the year, usually in the springtime. Um, and I went to the Missouri one, tested my dogs there. There's a lot of judges there, apprentice judges. And anyway, the judge will lay the line for a level two test. It's 800 yards, I think. It's got three 90-degree turns, two wound beds. And um, they do that with deer hooves 
and I think three ounces, maybe four ounces of blood, or you have the option of doing it with eight ounces of blood. Um, and it's aged a minimum of, minimum of 12 hours before okay. you run the track. So it's a tough track. Yeah, it's fairly easy. Is it really? Um, that's that's you'd consider that a pretty easy track in the real world in the tracking world. Yes, really. See, that seems yeah. to us. I'm sure Canyon the same way. That that would seem tough to us. But but go ahead. It's go ahead. It's relatively. <laughs> you easy. hit anything else no, over there? No, I think I'm good now. He's um, used to being on that side. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's relatively easy if you have a dog that knows what he's doing. Um, what makes it hard is <laughs> the audience. Like, yeah. like you've got a judge, the apprentice judge, and maybe a couple other people following they're f- you. Right, they're wa- with you the whole watching, time. Watching how you handle your dog. Hard um, for you or hard for the dog? Or both? It's hard for the handler. Hard yeah. for the handler, Yeah, okay. it just gets in your head. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Added okay. pressure, right? Added pressure. So it's, you think it, the dog senses that? Oh, yeah. Really? Okay. Oh, yeah. Their, their noses are so powerful. <sighs> yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah, I've I've often said I want a Bluetooth connection to their brain, just, <laughs> yeah, right? Just to see, so I know what they're thinking, what they're smelling, because you know everything we know about uh, about scent is just theory. Yeah, right. There's you can't we can't really prove anything. How do you really you know? know what they smell? Right? How does it work? Yeah, you know, um, a lot of people think that that rain will wash the scent away, mm-hmm. right? It doesn't. Um, I've recovered multiple deer after a rainstorm. You know, it, you can't track it after I mean, by tracking the blood because blood's gone. It's not right. visible. Right. Put the dog down and they take you right to the deer. So I've heard that it's easier to track deer in those, in like damp conditions, obviously less wind than like a dry, sunny, windy day. Is that? Absolutely. That's true? Yes. Okay. So last year, if you remember, the probably the first two weeks of October for sure mm-hmm. was hot and dry. Mm-hmm. And uh, we struggled and struggled and struggled to track deer. And I'm, we probably left a couple ones out there, you know, dead deer out there. I, right. I don't know. I never got the feedback, but uh, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. It, it was just so hot and dry that the scent trails didn't stay long and um i i tried to track mostly at night yeah if, if it's that hot and dry because when the dew sets that kind of reactivates the scent okay and uh, the dogs find it a lot easier to to track it doesn't wear them out quite as quick okay um so, so to back up here you said you're running uh three dogs that are certified yes right now so do you have other guys that handle for you too? I do not. So you're just running three dogs. You that's so like if you take one dog out, let's say like the night before, and you got another one the next day, you can take the other dog. You can rotate them in and out. Yeah, I guess. To so keep them fresh. I don't always, but I like to, especially on weekends. Yeah, I'll put two dogs in the car, and kind of switch the tracks off. Right. Um. You know, you go. Yeah. And I'll take out Pixie first, and then Frank or yeah, whatever. Um. There was. I think two tracks last year where I took one dog out and they weren't able to find the deer, switched the dogs, ran the track again, found the deer. Okay. Um, why that is, I'm not quite sure. Well, the one, the one track I'm, if I would have kept going with the first dog, we would have found it. Yeah. Um, probably for both of them. I'm not sure. A part of part of that is my fault because I have more confidence in Pixie, Pixie than in Frank. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, I, I get to doubt in Frank too soon. <laughs> yeah. Well, because he he'll play the wind a little more than Pixie will. He'll run a looser track. Mm-hmm. You know, he might be ten yards off the actual track that the, that the deer ran. Okay. If if that's where the sand is, you know. Um. Yeah. So I miss the sign. I think he's doing something weird. Right. Um, but Pixie runs a lot tighter line, travels a lot slower. Mm-hmm. And I get to see more. So does in the, in your certification process is level two, is that correct? Mm-hmm. So does it make a difference whether they're off the trail for 10 yards or is the end result the end result or how does that look like in your – and is there, a, is there a level one or a level three? Yes. Or, okay. So there is a level one. Level one is four hours old. 
uh, 400 yards, one or two 90s, I'm not sure, one wound bed. Level three is more about distractions and stuff. Okay. Um, that one, I think they only have to age it for four hours. So it's a fairly fresh track, but then they put a lot of distractions in it. They cross creeks, do back tracks, mm-hmm. run you past people partying and yeah. whatever. Yeah, so level two, what you're looking for is a, a way, competent, way good for around here. A what competent dog. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Like they're going to be able to make a track with no distractions for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that... But you said that was 800 yards on level two? Yeah. See, so like just a regular deer hunter tracking 800 yards with however many 90s, beds, like without a dog, you're talking all night pretty easy. Probably. I mean, yeah, you're, you're once you at, especially once you hit those 90s. That's about a half mile. Yeah. And guys are, because you hit that and you're like, okay, I was going this way, especially if it's on a trail. I run out of blood here. I'm going to keep going that way for a while. Then I'm going to come back. And then maybe I go the wrong way the first time. And if mm-hmm. you, especially on four ounces, how much blood did you say? Four ounces if you're using hooves, yes. Yeah. So that's, a, to a normal person, that would be, or to a person in general. That's yeah. that's, that's like a quarter of a beer. That's not much. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. So for, for Uncle Jeff, that's not much. No. Yeah. When, when I tested Pixie, she ran that line in 20 minutes. No kidding. No kidding. So what's the farthest track that you went on last year? Oh, my. Um, the longest recovery? Yes. Was about a mile and three-quarter, I think. How long did that one take? I had Frank on that, so we moved along pretty good. Okay. Um, f- 45 minutes to an hour, probably. No kidding. That's Probably an hour. I, I can't remember for sure. Like, I don't know what that is for a dog, but for tracking that distance, that's a lot faster than you're going to do it. <laughs> as yeah. a per- I mean, you're going to give up yeah. at some point if you don't have a dog, right? Yeah. Which was probably what happened. Well, yeah, they had tracked it for a good long ways, and, and finally the blood fizzled out. Um, what was the hit? Oh, liver guts. Archery? Yes. Okay. Crossbow, I think. Okay. So were they thinking yeah, dead, I'm, I'm or, or are they just sure. looking for closure? Were they thinking, hey, this deer's dead, you got to help me? Or oh, we were pretty sure it was dead. Okay. okay. Yeah. I, I think they knew for a fact it was a gut shot. Okay. Yeah. So it was just a matter of when it was going to die kind of thing? Yeah. 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 Okay. Um, do you keep track of that at all? Like, um, weapon, broadhead, for example, on mm-hmm. archery, you keep track of all that stuff somewhere? Yes, I I keep a paper in the in the car that before I go out on the track I fill it out. Okay, um, you know what was the weather like when you shot? What's the weather like now? Mm-hmm. Um, what kind of weapon was used? Right. What kind of broadhead? Um, where the hunter thinks he hit the deer? Right. And exactly. when I come back, it's like how far did we track it? Did we find it? Where did the hunter hit it? Compared to where he thinks he hit it. That was what I was going to follow up with. Is how often is it where they thought they hit it at? Well, it's never where they think they hit it. I <laughs> okay. mean, how often have you shot a deer? And, oh, man. And Without a camera, I don't know how people, how you can tell. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, unless they're 20 yards and you just know you tin ringed them. But even then, like, I've killed deer that I you, thought. You think you just smoked them. You come yeah. down, you look at them. That's, that's three inches higher than exactly. I Exactly. I was four inches, three inches higher into the back than I thought it was. Mm-hmm. You still got double lungs, but it's like you're not where you thought you hit them at, you yeah. know? So, yeah, I figure that's probably the case. Yeah. Yeah. I had a couple deer last year that I thought I had a you know perfect shot on them, but for some reason they dropped in their tracks because I spined them. Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's... No, the, no track in there, Pixie. <laughs> exactly. And I was I was trying to to shoot them for you know training tracks and stuff. So right, <laughs> yeah. I was a little disappointed. <laughs> um, so another thing that's obviously a big topic, and we just talked about it on Friday with Corey from the Post Shop Bible. He was up at the show too. Okay, yeah. And you know, is the the broadhead thing? It's like fixed blades or expandables and. His rule of thumb was like, okay, 65 pounds or higher, you're probably okay using an expandable. And my kind of thing on it is, I feel like you're better forward with a fixed blade, you're better back with an expandable, but I think you have a, a better chance forward with an expandable than you do back with a fixed blade. 
but I don't. What was what's kind of your experience with that? Like, do you recover more certain hits with a certain broadhead? So, type pro- not just probably fifty percent of the calls I get are from high shoulder hits mm-hmm. with six inches of penetration, eight inches of penetration. Of course, using a mechanical broadhead, right? Um, I I love getting a call when they used an expandable broadhead through the guts. Right. <laughs> right. Um, so people are going to be using expandables. I say, if you're going to be using expandables, give yourself plenty of room for error. Mm-hmm. Stay off the front leg. Yeah. Stay low and, and off the front leg by three or four inches. Right. Um, because the deer's first response when you shoot is to drop. Yep. Right. Yep. That's why you're always three inches. You hit three inches higher than you thought. Yeah, you and there's no good way to know whether they're going to or not. Because like I've watched tons of guys film video guys shooting deer. I've shot my share of deer. Some of them you think for sure they're going to drop and they don't move till the arrow gets there. And we're talking, you know, twenty to thirty yards where mm-hmm. you where they have time to move right and mm-hmm. react. Some of them just seem relaxed as all could all get out. And at thirty yards, they're like out of the picture before the arrow gets there, almost kind of yeah. thing. So it's like. Like you're saying, they're like they're gonna move sometimes. Sometimes they're not. It's hard to know when. I think you're right. I think you just have to yeah. expect it. Yeah. But these days we have range finders. Mm-hmm. We know exactly how far it is to that deer. We can pretty much put that arrow where we want it. Right. Right. So, I say aim in the lower third of the body, mm-hmm. and and give yourself room off that leg, especially if you're shooting fixed pl- right. or, uh, expandables. Right. With fixed blades, you can get up there a little little closer because usually with a fixed blade, you're not shooting larger than about an inch and a quarter. Right, and uh, you would diameter. rather you would rather miss forward with those. You think? Well, you you can get a, get away with more. Right, because you've got you'll be more likely to blow through the deer. You have. Yeah, because because you're not using as much energy yeah, to push right. that it takes kinetic through. energy to open the fix uh, the expandable exactly. no matter which one it is it exactly. takes x amount of kinetic energy so you're losing the penetration for the opening of the head yeah. mm-hmm. and that was Corey's reasoning for like if you're shooting 65 pounds or higher you're probably yeah. okay on a white tail shooting the expandables if you're yeah. not probably want to look at a fixed blade because he said it yeah, there's it there's, takes about Eight pounds or something of kinetic energy. I, you know, when I was in the shop, blades. I used to have all that stuff, and I can't remember what it is, but I do know that it takes energy to open a head, mm-hmm. and you're losing what you're losing. You yeah. know, and but some of those, some of those two blade heads, if they if they open horizontally, they're catching two ribs going in. Yeah, there. they have no no other option. Yeah. And right. they're typically and, thinner, and, mm-hmm. and 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 a lot of them have the wider yeah cutting I, cutting. I, path you're I had about, one so. deer last year that. The shot placement was perfect. Mm-hmm. He only got eight inches penetration. It killed the deer, but he didn't have blood trail worth talking about. Right. If he'd had a smaller head that would have punched right through that deer, he'd have had a hole on both sides. Right. He'd have had a better blood trail. His deer would have died in half the distance. Mm-hmm. He'd have never had to call me. <laughs> right. Or the other guy that tried to track it before I got there. <laughs> oh, there you go. Yeah. Okay, so there's another thing there. Does that happen often? And then how tough is that? Is it? Does it make it any tougher on your dogs when there's already been one in there? Oh, yeah. Does it? It does. That's um, one of those distractions? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Because, so every time, every time I follow up with the second dog, the second dog goes where the first dog went first then he says oh no you were wrong comes back and figures it out so really same same thing happens at least check and make sure they didn't know what they were doing right yeah <laughs> yeah same yeah. same thing happens when you bring your pet or porch dog out mm-hmm. and try to track it um so not only is the dog in there messing things up you're walking on the track and tracking send all over yeah but uh hopefully my dogs are good enough and know what they're doing that they can sort it out right Okay, so that, I, that I have confidence in Pixie that she was able to do that, right? Sort it out and eventually yeah. get on it. it. It makes it hard, but yeah, yeah, it might take another thirty minutes, right? That uh, that kind of leads into another thing I, I was wanting to talk about is when a guy does shoot a deer. <clears throat> what what would be your preference of when they decide that they need a dog and how would they go about doing that? Is it okay? You shoot them. Maybe you think you made a good shot, like we were talking about, but you. Ultimately, you didn't, but you thought you did. 
So you're getting on the blood trail. Let's say you wait an hour, and they get on a blood trail. I'd assume you would rather them go slow till you run out of blood, maybe, and then decide or see the type of blood. What what should a guy do when he shoots a deer to get to the process of calling a dog, or to at least make sure he maintains the the trail best he can for the dog to come in without those distractions? Right. Um, okay, so if you make a perfect shot, mm-hmm. you should be able to re- go recover that deer within an hour. Right. If it's f- a little further back, liver, gut, you need, if it's liver, you need to give them at least six hours. 12 hours is better. Mm-hmm. And the gut, gut shot, minimum of 12 hours. Um, usually they're dead by 24, but not necessarily. Um, and that's true for liver hits as okay. well. I, I have had liver hits that were still alive at 22 hours. Wow. Really? Um, but, so, if you know you hit him back, and you, you're you probably just as good off as, you're probably best off to just call a tracker right away, um, tell him your situation, have him on standby. Because mm-hmm. I would rather get a call at 9 o'clock in the evening. Well, by that time, usually they've tracked. Yeah. But, uh. Right at sundown, you know. So, yeah, seven. <laughs> yeah, I, I would rather get a call in the evening, schedule a track in the morning, than have a guy go out, look for his deer in the morning, then call me up. Yeah. Because now I'm at work when I get the call. I can't make it there till 24 hours after he was shot, um, which is okay. I mean, we can we can still track at that point. Um, it might not be necessary to wait that long. Um but yeah, the the it usually doesn't take long before I'm booked for the evening. Right. So if you call me from the tree stand, um, I can fill you in. If you end up finding your deer not needing me, there's room for the next guy. Yeah. Um, but it's just a good way to. So the earlier the better on deciding maybe you maybe you're gonna need one. Yes. Like get you scheduled. Yes. Yes. So do you take your uh, cell phone to the tree stand with you? Always. <laughs> <laughs> I understand. <laughs> I got a deer shop. I, I understand. I'm answering the phone or getting texted. Yeah. Yep. Um, but as, as far as when when you go to track your deer, then mm-hmm. just be careful. Don't take more than about two people with you, or one one person with you. Mm-hmm. Like two person, two total two total. Yes. And then don't go stomping all over the woods. Um, when you're tracking blood, stay off to the side of it. Try not to disturb the actual scent line. Um, because what if you do, if you do step in the blood, you know, that blood sticks to your shoe. Mm-hmm. You come to where the deer did a 90 or veered off the deer trail he was going down. You keep walking down the deer trail, right? So to the dog, he's coming down here. The obvious choice is to keep going, right? Mm-hmm. And it still smells like the deer. Yep. But the deer actually went off to the left. Um so the dog has to go down there and figure out, oh, nope, that's just the the hunter. Right. Turn around, come back, find it. Versus if you're walking beside the trail, they're more likely to yeah. catch that turn first try. That makes sense. And then it's, I guess at that point, it's two different trails, really. Even the dog knows that, like, they can tell the hunter's over here, the deer's over here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That can, makes sense. Can you tell the difference when that happens? So As a handler? Can you tell your dogs? Oh, I'm not sure about that. Yeah, I can. I can usually see when when they lose the trail, start searching. Um. Yeah, then I just stop and wait, and let them figure it out. Mm-hmm. You let them figure it out, and then they yeah, it's, they come and say, "Come on, boss, as, let's go." As okay. a handler, you have to pay. You have to pay a lot of attention to the dog's body. Language. That's kind of knowing your dog, isn't mm-hmm. it? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Um, how often do you get deer that make? Because the the first one I shot last year, we tracked and way past ninety, not quite one eighty, but he almost backtracked for because we we followed the trail to a point like I was talking about, and we it made sense that he would keep going this way, so we kept looking and didn't find anything, so we came back and we went down the next place that would make sense, which was a ninety to the south, so. We went that direction, didn't find anything, came back. Eventually, we were like, we had just given up. Like, I was going to try to find somebody, call somebody, 
we were on the way back to the truck, so we were going down the trail, and it was easier to go, say, this direction than back home where we came from. Mm-hmm. So I started going that direction and came up on blood again, just happenstance to find it that he had turned around and walked back in almost exactly the same place for probably 30, 40 yards. Like, mm-hmm. is that fairly common? Um, you see it I'm, some? I see it some, yes. Um, I had for sure one track last year where the deer backtracked for about 150 yards. No kidding. And, uh, how does the dog react to that? Oh man. (laughs) (laughs) Is it like back and forth and back and forth and just checking everything out? Yeah. Um, yeah, she, she backtracked the trail we'd come in on and it, it took her 30, a good 30 minutes probably to get that figured out. Yeah. Um, but yeah, well, it took I, us I, longer than thirty minutes, yeah, so that's just, not bad. <laughs> I just had to wait on her and, and let her work, and yeah. So she just kind of stopped and then thought, oh, "What the heck?" And then backed up and then, then well, run that track. For so, a... so he he had come okay. come mm-hmm. up to a bed, and then when he left, it was probably ten yards to the side. Um, and it was dark, so I it was a little harder for me to realize what was going on. Right. But and he wasn't bleeding a whole lot by that point. Um, but I realized that, that he had backtracked and I basically just let her work it out and just waited as yeah. long as, as long as she was working, searching. Right. I let her do it. Yeah. Because, uh, if I get impatient, it screws everything up. Yeah. At, at what point do you, do you have to step in and either maybe change direction of the dog or can you even do that like well so yeah i i start looking for blood um obvious signs that the deer you know direction of travel and stuff right and if i come across something i can call her over and point it out to her she'll Mm -hmm. put her nose down in there and and go get her back kind of Um, back on the right track or whatever two two years ago i think i had that happen the buck was as a liver shot i think um see yeah we'd we'd tracked up to kind of a point at the edge of a field mm-hmm. there was a bed and pixie went right through the bed and was checking left and right and forward and everywhere couldn't pick up anything and uh the hunters had come up behind me and noticed a blood trail leaving kind of at a 45 toward the back and when we noticed that we were able to bring pixie over and she took off right you got her back put going. Her, yeah, in the right put direction. her nose down in there and took off. So, sure. so speaking of that, um, you said the hunters come up behind you. Is that something that you say, hey, you guys, you need to hang back a certain amount of feet or a certain amount of yards, or I'll let you know when you can come up? Or how does that, what does that look like? Um, so different trackers do it differently. I I prefer, because I'm running by myself, um, I, I prefer if the hunter's close. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe ten yards behind me. Um, yeah, just yeah. I'll, I I just tell them to, you know, st- stay about ten yards behind yeah, me, okay, yeah, and okay, and yeah. be careful to not walk around too much. Which I guess <laughs> um, that's probably like you said, just more handler preference. Yeah, it's handler preference. Yeah, and I guess um, if you had a dog that got distracted more easily, that would probably play into it as well. Yeah. What what absolutely wrecks a track is if the hunter thinks he knows where the deer went and starts looping off and gets ahead of us. Yeah. Because now, who's that guy over there? What's the, there's so I, assume, I just, assume you have that it's, occasionally. It's a yeah. huge distraction. It, it's happened. Yeah. yeah. It's happened. Yeah, that's... What is the most... What's the most common reason that your dog does get off the track? Is it distractions like that? Is it water? Is it distance? Like... um. I mean, usually it's because the deer's not dead, but right. uh, I have had one track that I know of that deer would come up out of the woods to a field edge. There's a grass strip there, and somebody drove their truck over about three or four times, and see, it, I don't know, it was I can't remember what the weather was like, but that's where we lost it. Yeah, and I think that was Pixie's first year, so. It was what it was. Human interference. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Okay, so, you know, we, we're kind of talking about what guys should do 
and when to call and all that. We we talked a little bit before about the app that's out there now, and I guess that makes it easier for people to find dogs, uh, find handlers with dogs and all that in their area. How? Tell us a little bit about that. Like when a guy does decide he needs a dog, what's he do to find one? What's his What's the best option from that point? Okay, yeah. So the the app we're talking about is called Tracker, spelled uh, T R A K R. Yeah. Okay. All uppercase. Um, it was put together by Shane Simpson out of uh, Minnesota, and uh, he worked with the United Blood Trackers people, and uh, it is the the UBT approved app to use, which um, most people probably have heard about the United Blood Trackers uh-huh. website. You can go on there, punch in your zip code or the uh, town you're hunting close to and find a tracker. It'll it'll give you a list of trackers close by. Um, this app is, well, you download it to your phone, go in there, create a profile as a hunter, and when you shoot a deer, you basically just tell your story. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, fill in all the blanks. Um hit send it'll send a notification out to every tracker close right and then the tracker sees that gets in contact with the hunter and um, the 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 trackers that are on that like they're, they're going to be finding they have dogs that are certified at least level one by you'll be able to see ubt if, you'll be able to see if the dog is certified by ubt or not okay um so every, every tracker puts in a bio basically tells you their experience level mm-hmm. um I would assume your recommendation would be to find one who's certified. Not that I'm sure there are good dogs that aren't. Probably there's 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 a lot of good dogs that aren't, um, but those dogs you can probably. I mean, if they've got ninety recoveries under there. Yeah, so that goes into it as much as that, yeah. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Um. I I know they did some some vetting for the trackers that on were on there. Um, because one of one of our board members with the Illinois Deer Tracking Network was contacted about several people. You know, are mm-hmm. are they your are they in your network or not? You know, was the first question. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe most of the Illinois Deer Tracking Network trackers are on that app. Um, we'll be using it. Um, is this the first year for this, it? Yes, this is the first year for that for okay. that tracking app. And, um, so yeah, I, I don't know for sure how it's going to right. all work, but right. I, I'm confident that it will. It has been tested and in states that are open already, they are using it and liking it. It's working out. It's working out. Yes. That's good. Yes. That's good. Um, so on that app, if I get on that app and I see you on there and I, how do, I don't know. I don't know you from Adam. Let's just say, yeah, I don't know you from Adam. I'm hunting close to where you're at. And, and I pull up my zip code and it pulls up you and two or three other people. How does that, how do you get notified that I'm looking for you? Let's say. I'm, I'm not sure. Can, can the hunter select which tracker he gets or not? Okay. Um, I'm, I'm sure somehow. So how, how do you know as a tracker that I'm looking for a tracker? It'll Is, pop up on my phone. It'll pop like up notif- on your phone. Notification on my notification phone. Notification on your phone as a tracker. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because, yeah, I make a tracker profile. You make a hundred profile. Okay, okay, yep. okay. Yep. But so you you would know that I'm looking, but we're not sure if I could actually look specifically for you or not. Yes. Okay. I, okay. I don't know for sure. Okay. But um, that, uh, I guess, like obviously there's that on the website, but it's going to be more probably more mobile friendly yes, to go through the abs- app for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, you don't have to have service to fill it out. Um, I I think it like it'll basically work like your text messages. You can fill it out whenever you get service. You, it'll send you, it out exactly. Yeah. You fill it out whenever you get into service again. Boom, send it out. Right. Um. So yeah, I'm I'm excited to see how that works. Yeah. Because the the um, amount of data collected through that app is going to be amazing. Oh yeah. And and everybody, you know, with time, everybody's going to be able to to look through that data. Mm-hmm. in that app and it'll it'll help them you know better analyze what they're dealing with yeah you know? so me as john q hunter i fill out a profile 
and then I've shot a deer, and then I go in there and I fill out what I've done, where I was at, yada, yada, yada. Mm-hmm. And, and you as a tracker, you've got the same thing, and that's all compiled in that in that data that we can go and reach out and get sometime later then mm-hmm. and, and compare whatever then, right? Mm-hmm. That's, that's going to be pretty interesting. Yeah, I, and think. I, I think that, like, as a tracker, I can go in there. Like, if my buddy calls me, you know, directly, I think I'll be able to go in there, fill in all that information, run the track, yeah, finish it out, just as know. a database kind of thing, for right? The, for the database, yes. Yeah. So, be cool. will that show you? Do you know if it will show you available trackers? Like, yes. will like if if you take a track, you'll be unavailable through the app, or it would just it it will tell you how many trackers have been notified. Okay, cool. Mm-hmm. So you'll at least know that something went out to somebody. Yep. Okay. Yep. And then it's on the tracker to accept and make contact with that person. I think so. Yes. Okay. Yes. And now, is there a is there something? I we'll go through the app, and I'll link this in the description of the episode too, so everybody can find the app. I'll link the there's an Illinois Deer Tracker Network. Yes. A website as well, and the UV Facebook page. Okay, Facebook page, and then uh, the United Blood Trackers. I'll link all that stuff in the description, so it's easy to find. But is there a place in the app where that communication happens, or is it a is it you call the guy at that point or text him? I'm not exactly sure. Okay. Um, but yeah, it, it gives you the option to send out a, you know, request a tracker at midnight. Yeah. Versus, I mean, a lot of people don't want to call at midnight. Right. The truth is, during the busy part of the season, I'm probably out. You're <laughs> up there anyway. I'm yeah. probably out driving. You're in the right. middle of your day. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. So what does the, when does that really busy season start for you? Is it like, pre-rut time end of October or is it mostly November um, or even earlier? Well, the first first busy weekend is probably usually in the middle of October. Okay. And so first, like the first week I usually average one track a day mm-hmm. for sure, maybe a week and a half, and then it kind of dies down a little bit. And by by Halloween, it's pretty much wide open. Yeah. But, yeah, the first – First two weeks of November are just crazy. I'm sure they are. Yeah. And that's when guys are taking their vacation, too. So it's like mm-hmm. you said, the first busy weekend, now it's like all week long yeah. for probably two like weeks. Every, everybody goes weeks. out for the opener. Yeah. And then they have to work a little bit before their vacation. Yep. Yep. And out-of-staters coming in. Yeah. Yeah. I guess you probably see quite a bit of out-of-state guys that are that you're going to help out, too, right? Oh, yeah. Especially in this area. Oh, yeah. You know, we, it's interesting. We've talked about that several times. Like, we have over-the-counter tags, and for the guys that are, that's a big thing, but for the guys that are in Alabama, Georgia, Mississippi, Louisiana, we're really, I mean, unless you're in western Kentucky, we're the closest big buck state, except maybe Ohio. I, I don't know if Ohio does over-the-counter tags or not, but, like, the notable big buck state that people are going to come to. And I think that's why we do get a lot of guys from the southeastern United States because it is closer than Missouri. It's closer than Iowa. And Iowa, you have to draw as well. And things, as long as they want to pay the money, they can come here and hunt. And we, well, even in the shop, we see a lot of guys from Georgia, Alabama, those states down there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. I mean, that's you can drive and you get here tomorrow and you can go to the local whatever Walmart or whatever and pick up your tags and your hunting license and you're good to go and you're legal. I mean, you're fine. So you got into this because kind of as a hobby or you wanted to find your own deer. Would that be fair? Or you just wanted to find your own deer and then it's kind of blossomed out from there. Would that be a fair assessment or no? I mean, yeah, when I started, I, I dreamed about doing it for the public. Okay. I I didn't know if my dog was going to be good enough. Yeah. Or well, know, obviously how's you this have, all going right. to work? Because, you know, I, I, I was just figuring it out, you know. I just and, find this whole, uh, I guess, arm of hunting or realm of I find this fascinating that there's a whole network of trackers with dogs that are that good. And, oh, yeah. and you have certifications and all that. I find that fascinating. Yeah. I think a lot of people there's, find it interesting. I really do. There, there's over a thousand of us in the United States. Um registered with or like members of the United Blood Trackers Network. Mm-hmm. Um, in the state of Illinois, we have, I think, 32 members right now. 
I promise, cool. though, if you shoot a deer on November 13th and you wait till about 8.30 or 9 o'clock at night to call them, it's going to be tough to find one. <laughs> well, so you got and, into unless it for I that. Can, unless I can get to you, to, yeah, right, to you right. tomorrow morning you know, right, before right. work or something. Yeah. So you got into it for that reason. So if you had your ultimate, this is where I want to be, maybe you're there. I don't, I don't know. But are you where you want to be or you have a, you have a goal that, oh, as far as tracking and being all that in, I mean, what's so, that look like for you? If, if I, you had a fantasy about where you wanted to be. If if I was where I wanted to be, I would have a job that I could ditch about October 1st. And, not, I mean, forget about it till you know, January. January 15th. And, ju- and just track like what? That, that's yeah, cool. all the time. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep, I love it. Uh, obviously, <laughs> oh, well, you got to. I mean, obviously, you're good at it. You got you got to you got to love your job to be good at it. And, obviously, you are. So Yeah. And there's plenty of work throughout the season, I would it seems like for me for yeah for trackers oh for trackers yes in general yes yeah. yes yeah. but uh yeah my job demands that i be there okay <laughs> so <laughs> what damn, do you do other than work <laughs> it gets in the way of everything uh so yeah my my job i manufacture kitchen cabinets okay yep. so that's your real job yep. woodworking wow nice. For a company or for yourself? Or? Uh, it's a family business. Oh, cool. Yeah. Very cool. My dad's my boss. <laughs> well, we so can, that helps we a little bit. Have a, we kind of have does. a family business. It but does. Yeah, I help he, him in the fall season. He he loves seeing my success tracking deer mm-hmm. and, and so forth, but he does not like to see me take take <laughs> up time <laughs> off to go do it. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> mm-hmm. So uh, <laughs> I try to be respectful about that and – there get, is a, get at least seven and a half of my eight and a half hours in every day. <laughs> at least, yeah. Yep. Yep. But definitely are they're definitely uh, an art to making cabinets. It's yeah. Kudos for you for that, no yeah. doubt. So your 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 best effort recovery, that's your your I guess you call it a business name. Yeah, that's what I go by. Okay. So where'd you come up with that at? Was it just like, Well, I'm gonna give it my best shot, we're gonna try to find them and Hey, best effort recovery, or like, where'd the name come from? I don't know. Pulled it out of my head somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's better than some other place you could pull it out of. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's we were talking to no, Drew I, there at the. I I I thought about it for, you know, days. Yeah. When I was sanding in the shop. You know, nothing else to do. Um, I almost went with Hound Found Deer Recovery. There was a couple other names. I don't know. Yeah, I like it. Best effort. Yeah, it works. Yeah, for <laughs> yeah. sure. Um, well, I don't want to take up any more of your time. I know you got a little bit of a drive back, but is there anything else you want to hit on before, before we get out of here? Um, anything we missed the guys should know, or you think it'd be a couple of things the guys should know. Um, it takes a very lot of blood to kill a deer. Like, (laughs) yeah, every call I get, the hunter says, I, I smoked him, you know? Right. Yeah. Well, you called me. <laughs> you didn't smoke me. <laughs> exactly. Right. Um, and they've got a lot of blood, good blood, you know. They don't realize the mess of blood, the mess, how big a mess just a little bit of blood can make. Yeah, right. So, like I said, those those UBT2 tests are run with a max of eight ounces of blood if you're doing blood only, like mm-hmm. no hooves. You cannot track that by eye. No. Um, but, yeah. Probably pretty close, though. I mean, there's enough there that the dog can follow it. I've, right. I've, I've never done it, I guess. But it doesn't take a lot of blood to make a big mess. Right. Um, but it does take a lot of blood to... Uh, to kill the deer. <laughs> to take the deer past the point of shock, you know, like the, right. the point of no return. Yep. Um, I have tracked several that were shot in the leg or something where you clipped an artery. They actually bled out. Yeah. Those tracks are usually about two and a half miles. No kidding. Yes. Wow. Which is completely different from uh, if you shoot them and hit them and, wow, what am I looking for? The aortic artery? Yes. Yes. (laughs) And they bleed out in like two minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the aortic artery will bleed them out in... No time. Which, and I've heard it said before, wouldn't it make sense that the number one thing that kills deer, especially archery equipment, is hemorrhaging? Well, yeah, it's it's a uh, lack of oxygen to the brain, basically. So you can 
deflate both lungs to where they can't breathe. Right. Right. Or you can get rid of their blood. Mm-hmm. Both ways is going to kill them. Um, if you get back into the guts, sometimes it, it's going to be septicism or whatever, like yeah. poison. Yeah, basically. Blood poisoning that kills them. Um, but that'll take several days. Yeah. Um, up to a couple weeks. Those deer, we'll probably not find them with a dog. If we do, he'll be alive. Yeah. Um, I know it's pretty difficult to tell because obviously, I mean, but what percentage, uh, your best guess would be deer that are dead, the percentage of those that you find? Oh, upper 90s. Really? Okay. If they're dead, you're confident. If they're dead, you're, you're, you're pretty well not, you're going to find nine out of 10 or more of dead yes. deer. Okay. okay. Yes. For sure. So if you're not finding a deer, it's because Joe didn't shoot it the way he should have, mm-hmm. give or take, right? Usually, yes. Okay. Yep. Um, so, yeah, don't don't allow what you think is a good blood trail to suck you into going after the deer too quickly. Right. Um, be very slow in taking a bunch of people out into the woods with you. Um, because, you know, a, a, yeah, the more people... <laughs> your buddies will drag you into it, right? Yeah, yeah. You go back home and start talking. They're like, hey, let's go find this deer mm-hmm. or whatever. And you, you should wait. You should give them the proper amount of time. Right. Um, a dead deer goes nowhere um, unless the coyote's eating. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Goes to the shop. <laughs> That's where he goes. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, just be smart. Yeah. Well, that's about as good a place as you can leave it. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> that's pretty good advice. Yeah. Yeah. Don't be an idiot out there. Yeah. All right. Well, hey, I appreciate you making the drive down and um, coming on and talking about and that. Another thing that that uh, folks can do before deer season right now is you know talk with your neighbors. Mm-hmm. Um, come up with a plan for yeah when you do shoot a deer and it crosses the property line. You know, yep. at least get his conf- contact information yeah. to where you can call him. Yeah. Um, because. When you call me, that's one of the things I'm going to tell you to do right away is make sure we're good with the neighbors. Yep. Um, because I don't want to be trespassing. <laughs> exactly. Have you ever been caught? <laughs> uh, there's been a couple times when I ended up on property I shouldn't that's have That's uncomfortable. On. Right. Yes. It? And that's just yes. not that's not fair and, to you or the my dog. Hun- or my hunter's like, yeah, yeah, we're good to go, you know. Yeah. And then the landowner shows up and like, eh, what are you guys doing here? Yeah, that's Thank, not, that's thankfully not, he was cool with it, but that's yeah. not good for you or the dog or anything. No, so. but well, that's, that's one I, of those I, things I, that could get ugly pretty quick. Yeah, yeah, for yeah. sure, for sure. So yeah, be be honest with us, please. Yeah, yep. we, we don't want to. <laughs> we don't want to get in trouble and <laughs> yeah. ruin our reputation and definitely don't want to get shot at. <laughs> yeah, right. And deer is not worth for getting sure. shot at. No. Yep. Awesome, man. Well, again, thanks. I appreciate you taking the time out, making the drive down. And coming on talking about this stuff because I do yeah. think it it'll be interesting for people. It's interesting to me because just there's so much about it that I don't know, and I think this is an aspect that people don't think about enough is the recovery part. Yeah. Everybody thinks about the preparation and how to get them there and the shooting part and how to get to that shot, but then after that, it's okay. I either climb down and think I have good blood and I go find him, or I don't. Yeah. And then what? Well, yeah. And another thing I should say is if you know you hit him back. Um, a, a gut shot deer, liver shot deer, they will usually not go very far before they lay down. Mm-hmm. And if if you can get out of there without spooking that deer, you can probably find him without a dog. Yeah, in that first bed. In that first bed. Um, if you do happen to bump him, if he does get up, you're not guaranteed a blood trail. Right. Um, yeah. You may have one. Right, but you may also not have one. If he lays there and it clots, then you're then you're out of luck for sure. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah, that makes sense. So, cool. but I, I I have had it where <laughs> there was no blood trail. We spotted the deer mm-hmm. who's still alive, so we backed out like at night. The guy comes back next morning to see if the deer's there, and he's got a nice blood trail away from the bed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. Sometimes they open back up. I guess. Yeah. It's yeah. Different different things happen. Yeah. Different beds, but yeah, no doubt. Well, you got anything else for no, the man? No, no, no. I think I just find this whole aspect of that, that just kind of interesting. 
Oh, Very interesting. It yeah. is. But yeah. I hadn't thought, like my canyon, I, had, I hadn't thought about it. Yeah, I, there's there's so much to learn. I mean, I, I learn things on every track probably. Yeah. And I know guys that have been doing this for 40 years, and they say that every year they learn something new. I mean, I just... I, I know a guy that, yeah, I got a dog, and that's that's about it. I mean, I had no clue that there's a whole association with this, and that's uh, I find that interesting. Yeah. 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 So, cool. yeah, there's a lot of guys that, oh, yeah, I've got a dog that found four deer, you know. But. Right, right. What was the blood trail like? <laughs> yeah, right. You know, did, did you see the deer fall, or did he fall just out of sight? Yeah. You know, is there blood trail all the way? Yep. Um, the. Our members with the Illinois Deer Tracking Network, we've got trained dogs. Um, a lot of our dogs are I mean, rock stars. I mean, mm-hmm. three-quarter mile with no blood. At 12 hours old, recoveries past 40 hours, some of them. Crazy. It's, yeah. That's crazy. After rain, after snow, just. Right. It's it's cool. it's mind-blowing what, cool. the, what those dogs can do, yeah. Yep. Awesome. Amazing. Well, if you're if you're in that situation, for sure anybody listening, don't hesitate. Reach out and call. Yep. And when in doubt, get a dog out there. They're gonna be able to find it when you can't. Yep. Sounds like the Some, app's app's a good uh, good option. Somebody yeah. somebody's wanting to help you. We might not be able to, but we're wanting to. <laughs> exactly. At least you're wanting to. <laughs> right. All right, man. Well, hey, I think that'll wrap it up for this episode. Again, thanks for coming in. And uh, I'll link everything down in the description for people to find your best effort. Uh, recovery and all the tracker stuff, the app and all that too. So appreciate it. All right.